From the nostalgic haze of the 2000s, many films are idealized, their flaws lost to time. In an all-but-forgotten DVD store, two dedicated employees seek truth in these rose-tinted films. They are James and Alex. These are their reviews. Godspeed, Spider-Man. <sighs> oh my god, this is ridiculous. I need to get the duster back again. There are so many webs up the back here. Have you seen this? The World Wide Web. The what? No. What? No. The webs, like spider webs. There are a lot of spiders that must have been around. They've, they've... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider webs, yeah. 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 Where, what's this tone? Where is this coming from? No, I, it makes sense. You know, spiders create webs with their web makers. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, I'm not convinced. Something, Something's amiss here. Where's this come from? It's a bit embarrassing. But ever since I was young, I, uh, I haven't been able to imagine spiders. What? So, right now, if I said spider, you know what it looks like. You know what it is. You know what it can do. Yeah. You know, eight legs. I can't. Oh, what? Alright, so you... So if... Wait, okay. I just want to clarify. So we look up at these webs here, yeah? Yeah. We say, what's made those webs? We say spiders. I understand spiders made... Yep. Spiders as a thing that people know, Mm -hmm. I get. That's a thing. As soon as I start to imagine a spider... Just white noise. White noise. Static. The TV antenna's broken. Oh. That's, uh... I don't... hmm. I don't know, man. That's that's not something that's uh that's that's normal. But I mean, look, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to judge. You said it was a little bit embarrassing. I can understand. That. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'm sorry. I've tr- I've tried. I've really tried. You know, like I've heard people trying to explain eight legs. Yeah. Put them together. Thorax. Put it there. Eight eyes. Put them there. Furry. Put it. Blank. Just Nothing. as soon as everything comes together, it's. <laughs> I I can't imagine a spider. Oh my god. Well, look. That's right. Well, thankfully, we, we work at a DVD store, so we're not going to see too many spiders around the place. We see the webs, but uh, I'll, I'll try and keep them away from you, man. That's okay. Uh, well, even if I saw one, I wouldn't, you know, know what it looks like because I can't imagine it. Well, that's true. <whistles> Clunk! Oh, there we go. We got a drop. Well, uh, look, we might have something to take your uh, take your mind off it as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to grab it this time. Because the last couple of times, what we've been talking about prior has tied into whatever film has dropped. Yeah, and it's, it's been really strange. This time, I don't want to strain myself. Yeah, too much. So, I'm I'm going over. I just picked it up. Christ! Christ! Oh. It's Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh, I well, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. What did, did you ever see it? Two thousand two. That was a year. Was what? a year. But now you're telling me today. Not only do I have to, you know. Imagine that there's spiders somewhere in this place crawling around making worldwide webs. But also, I have to imagine a spidered man. <laughs> a man of the spiders. Yeah, he's, he's around. I, I'm i not too sure about the phrasing of spidered man. He's, he's not... I don't know about the adjective of spidered, but I think, we, I think we'll, we'll, well pepper it in. Spider-man. Yes. Spider-man. Does whatever a spider can. I don't know what a spider can do. Oh, of course. That's a worry. So this film is fresh to me every time I watch it. <laughs> because I can't imagine any aspect of the spider. You remember, like, the first ten minutes of it. Then he gets bitten by a spider and it just goes blank. Kirsten Dunst is very clear in my head. <laughs> but Tobey Maguire, not so much. Nothing. Well, yeah. I mean, speaking of, yeah. Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst are in this movie. The, I guess I would argue maybe the main two characters. And probably some of the least charismatic actors 
yeah. on screen at that time. Yeah, I would, I, I'd say so. The film, much like many of the films we discuss, is made by its supporting cast. Mm. Primarily in this film. Oh, definitely. Two characters. Oh, both. both men. Both myths. Both legends. They are J.K. Simmons, Simmons and Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. Oh, wow. What a, what a beautiful star-studded cast. And I think we always get to see in movies like that, quantity does not equal quality. Neither of the characters actually are there for that long, to my knowledge. J. No. Jonah Jameson, uh, J.K. Simmons' infamous character, I'd say maybe gets like 10, 15 minutes maximum of screen time. Willem Dafoe's there a lot more. Yeah, that's true. But he's still not the main character. Yeah, definitely not. But the performances that they give speak absolute volumes about their skills. Oh, they're attention-grabbing. They steal the show. Yeah. I would dare say that Spider-Man 2002 is as popular in today's cultural lexicon solely because of those two. Yeah, fair enough, actually. I think, that, I think that's a good point. Obviously, with the culture of memes being what they are, I think a lot of, the, a lot of that stuff does get brought back by the younger generations. At the same time, though, I feel like everyone can appreciate their performance and they can always go back and watch it and just be entertained by it. Here's the thing. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is very cheesy. Mm. It's oh. very dated. Without a doubt. But unlike the original X-Men, mm. it has charm to it because it's not. It's very clearly not taking itself too seriously, unlike the first X-Men film. The costume of the Green Goblin, the performance of J. Jonah Jameson, uh, Peter Parker being uh, an extreme nerd. Mm. None of these are played as, you know, a superhero epic, as it were. Yeah. None of them are really trying to be portrayed as particularly realistic. I feel like they're all very... They're all very larger-than-life characters. It's deli- Sam Raimi went into it wanting to make it a comic book film mm. with all the cheese, with all the ridiculousness that comes with a comic book film. Yeah. And he succeeded. And in a way, while being extremely dated, it is extremely timeless. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, with going back to what you said about uh, the whole point of Sam Raimi being able to deliver a certain level of cheese, it was really convenient that every single copy of the DVD that was sold was also sold alongside a plastic-wrapped piece of Kraft American cheese. It's true. When you open up a DVD case, yep. you've got the DVD and you've got those two little clips with like uh, manuals and a little promotional material. Yeah. Instead of every single one of those, Kraft cheese. Yeah. I and mean, it was... It really set expectations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that wasn't necessarily supposed to be, I guess, a joke from our parts there. We were just trying to inform. You know, I've heard stories that Sam Raimi himself didn't do that. It was Willem Dafoe's rogue kind of uh, idea. Yeah. To slip cheese into every case. Yeah. I don't know how he did it, but that man, I'm sure he's got a lot of money and he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of... Uh... It's a shame we'll never get the opportunity to ask him. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, fingers crossed, but what a guy. Hopefully, yeah, we might get to interview him one day about his, his cheese slipping abilities. Maybe. Probably not. On top of that as well, there's... I feel like the Spider-Man idea or the Spider-Man mythos, I guess, is definitely carried forward as a result of the movie. Definitely, definitely. We've had two reboots of Spider-Man in two decades. Mm -hmm. Obviously, starting off with the Sam Raimi trilogy. Yes. Then moving to the Andrew Garfield duology. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Tom Holland's duology and uncertain future as of recording this. Yeah. So, we've got got a lot of of movies to choose from. A lot of Spider-Men to choose from. I mean, and on top of that as well, you know, not, not only do we have that, but we've also got... Obviously, the the huge, hugely successful animated classic from the end of last year, the end of 2018, which was uh, Spider-Man uh, into the or and I believe into the Spider-Verse. 
What? It was a good movie. So now not only do I have to follow three spider men, yeah. but now there's a whole universe of spiders that I can't imagine. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop trying to bring it You're up. You're really stressing me out here, man. Okay, all right. So for the, for the next for the next uh, hour and a half, we won't mention anything about spiders. Uh, I cannot make that promise, though. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm going to instantly cut myself off there. We cannot do that if we're going to be talking about. It is a film about the spider man. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to talk about non arachnid material for the next couple of however long hours. That's all I'll say. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hunker down. The film came out at an interesting time too. It was the turn of the millennia. Yeah. And there wasn't really any superhero films. No, there wasn't this is, actually. This, this along with X Men were, you know, the first of the like the to really hit it off. I mean, you had like the old kind of Wonder Woman TV show. You had the the terrible Captain America movies <laughs> where he you know, his superpower is he can steal cars. <laughs> That's very true. I think that's all that we that's all that we really had at that point in time for Marvel. I think there was, was Fantastic there a, Four. Uh, the old Fantastic Four, which was not oh, okay. meant to be released. It was as pretty much all the Fantastic Four movies are made to hold on to the rights of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I don't know why people want to hold on to the rights of the Fantastic Four if no one's made a film about them. Yeah. Solely because they want to make a film about them. Yeah, everyone, everyone's doing it from a purely economic and legal perspective. No one's like, hey, we should tell a story about Reed Richards. Everyone's going to be like, what are you, stupid? It's we, Reed Richards. It's no one wants to hear no about one cares, stretchy man. No one cares about the guy who can turn to rubber. It's ridiculous. Stupid. So, thankfully, we're not talking about that one today. Even though I could imagine all of those characters. Yeah, rubber, rocks, invisibility. Fire. Fire, yeah. All four nations live together. Uh, anyway, so... the. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's interesting to look back on it and see how the superhero genre has changed mm. from very influenced by comic books to kind of its own, I would dare say, fantasy-style epic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think yeah, it's really, really good to see where that all started because obviously we don't yeah, just have uh, action movies, we don't just have adventure movies. It's definitely its own genre now, but I can definitely tell where it started. And I would yeah. say it's... And from what you said earlier, I'd definitely say it's going to be Sam Raimi's Spider-Man of 2002. Uh, yeah, I think... It's very important to look back to today and yeah. see where things came from. And when you watch the best Spider-Man film, mm. Spider-Man 2. That's very true. Yeah, Spider-Man 2, much in the way that uh, Shrek 2, I would argue, is uh, the best sequel of all time. Godfather, never saw it. Doesn't matter. Um, While derivative, mm. both of those, Shrek and Spider-Man yeah. 2, d- despite being derivative, they're still fantastic because they build... So much better on the premise of the first one. Yeah. So thankfully, this is where we set the scene. This is where we're going to start the adventures, the dynasty of Peter Parker, which is still going to this day, two actors down and counting. Oh, actually, even more if you count the uh, the voice actors from the Spider-Verse. Uh, the, uh, of the animated movie. We won't talk... Thank we you, won't... thank you. It's okay, it's okay. Sorry. But yeah, so we've, we've, got, we've got a bit of an idea of what Peter Parker is. He's a nerd kid. We've got an idea of uh, you know who the Green Goblin is as well, being the main villain of this one. We've got Willem Dafoe. He probably was just... Uh, look, it happens a couple of times every now and then with the movies we watch. The actors we get to see on the screen probably weren't acting. They were probably batshit crazy. But I don't uh, know. Just as, just as a note, Alex and I, we, we love Willem Dafoe oh, yeah. as an actor. His performances are always incredible. He clearly loves acting. Phenomenal. He holds a very special place in our heart. Yeah, no, he's definitely got, he's definitely got a, lot of, uh, a lot of potency in, uh, in our minds. So I'm really excited to see... Not necessarily where it all began, but I feel like where he kind of entered the very, very like popular mass media. Yeah, I style really want to see him things. like ham it up. Yeah, because that's what Sam Raimi allowed him to do. It was 
both him and JK, just immense ham. Yeah, exactly right. I ham mean, and cheese. You yeah. Know, a perfectly viable staple sandwich of your childhood diet. Exactly right. You couldn't you could not make this up. And that is what Spider Man two thousand and two is. While we go watch it, remember, this film is the ham and cheese sandwich of our of the movie childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go and uh, let's go and take a bite out of this movie. You know that film was pretty good. Not as hard uh, to remember as I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, look, when you kind of paperclip your eyes open like that, it's pretty hard to miss the scenes. So, thanks for sticking through. Yeah, Alex kind of clockwork oranged me to the chair mm. and kept my eyes open in an effort to help me retain some of the spidered aspects of this film. It didn't work, but it did allow me to memorize the, everything around it very well. So there's this kind of black hole in my memory exactly in the scene where, you know, the spidered man should be. It's better than nothing, so I'm glad. At least we've got a bit of a premise to go off, I feel. Yeah, I, I, can, I feel I can talk about this absolutely amazingly cheesy but simultaneously enjoyable film. Yeah. All right. Well, put your money where your mouth is, champ. Let's uh, let's get started. So for this episode, uh, as is going to be the case from here on out, we're going to be talking about a couple of characters, a couple of key characters for part one. For part two, we're going to try something a little different. Instead of going blow by blow plot analysis, we're going to hone in on a few key scenes that we think are important. Because, you know, we feel most people have seen Spider-Man, mm. and even if you haven't, the story is very generic superhero. So we feel the audience, if one exists, will get more enjoyment from us focusing in on key scenes yeah, exactly than us right. just giving it a blow by blow. Well, let's bloody get it done then, shall we? First character, hot off the block, yeah, Tobey Maguire, the Spider-Man. Here he is. The man, the myth, and... The cardboard. The- <laughs> well, yeah. He uh, was, didn't really give us much to go off. Um, His performance was, I wouldn't say uninspired, and I wouldn't say lacking. It was very stoic. Yeah. I, I just wouldn't say much about it. I mean, he was there. He, he read the lines. He did his job. And I think he... Well, that's he captured, arguable. <laughs> well, yeah. I think he captured the nerd side of Peter Parker very, very well. Um, he did. I, which I think is definitely what... Both comic book writers and I would say Sam Raimi were definitely angling for. They wanted to capture a an outcast, a bit of a misfit, uh, and what better way than in the early two thousands than to make him, you know, a science geek, a bit of a nerd. It's the classic bully target, I'd say, at that point in time. I feel like that that was more achieved less through Tobey Maguire's performance and more the performance of everyone else in the film. Mm. They kind of elevated themselves into an almost caricature. Okay. No one in this film, I felt, acted like a truly real person. <laughs> they were all comic book characters. Yeah. Which was the goal, so... Props. Props to that. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah, but sure. I feel, because Peter acted like the most like a person, he was the most bland, and that really contributed to him being kind of a downtrodden nerd. Mm. I don't think it's fair to say. Yeah, he, he wasn't exactly the most exciting of characters to watch, but at the same time... The stuff that happens throughout the movie and the fact that it centers around Peter, I feel like he has almost no choice but to be hopefully an exciting character. And I think as we move on, spoiler becomes Spider-Man or the Spider-Man, whoever you Supposedly, I've been told. Yeah. Whoever you're in Spider-Man. And from there, he starts to evolve as a character. I think he becomes a lot more confident, a little bit more excited. Yeah, it's interesting. Peter in the suit is very different to Peter outside the suit. Mm. 
it's almost an entirely different character. If you made this film and made it so Peter wasn't Spider-Man and it was someone else, it wouldn't feel any different. These characters are so different from each other. Mm. Spider-Man and Peter. Like, Spider-Man will crack jokes. Peter will almost never crack jokes. He's very timorous. Yeah, he's not, he's not a very funny individual. He likes to spew out some science facts. He likes to ogle at MJ uh, or Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, freaking perv. But, I mean, you know, once he gets his powers, he, he still kind of does that too, but from rooftops because he's got spider powers and can climb up like that. So, I feel like that's almost weirder. Yeah, it's a lot creepier if you see a man hanging out on a roof looking at you yeah. than just a man on the street looking. It's a guy. Yeah. You know, it's still creepy, don't get me wrong, but a man on a rooftop, how did he get up there? What's he doing up there? Why is he upside down? There's more unanswered questions than answered questions. Red and blue suit? What's up with that? Weirdo. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's from a, a different part of town, but oh well. So that's, I feel like... I that's don't know. Toby. There's not really much to talk about. He, the character of Spider-Man and Toby, mm. you know, you've got Toby, he's downtrodden, he's a nerd. Um, he gets pushed around by bullies and mm. everyone. He is supposedly a bit of a dick when he gets his powers. According to dialogue, he becomes very selfish, but... Yeah. Due to the cutting of the film and the editing of the film, we only see one real scene of that, mm. which is him forgetting to paint the house with Uncle Ben. Yeah. But, yeah, apparently he becomes pretty selfish with his powers, and then Uncle Ben obviously dies. Spoilers. Sorry. Bang. He, that's, that's him dying, by the way. Thank you for the folly. That's okay. So, Uncle Ben dies, and then Peter becomes a good guy. Mm. Helps people. Saves them. And it's Spider-Man. It's the contrast between Spider-Man and the characters around him, which make it more interesting. Yeah, for sure. And we're definitely going to talk about, I feel like, that period of the movie in part two when we talk yeah. more about the scenes. But it's definitely important to sort of set up his character with regards to that, that sort of section of the movie when he transitions from being Peter to being uh, Spider-Man. The thing I'd say the most important part of his character, the character arc that Peter has in this film, is growing up yeah. and becoming a hero. Because at the start of the hero, he wants a lot of things. He wants MJ. He's all trying to go after her. Mm. And then at the end of the film, he realizes while he's Spider-Man, he can't be with her, despite the fact that she wants to be with him. Yeah. And that's his personal growth. It's classical uh, hero growth. Yeah, exactly. For the greater good. Great power, great responsibility, all that jazz. But uh, I think, yeah, with that in mind, we can we can jump on pretty swiftly to uh, to his next, you know, a fellow outsider, the, uh, the, the rich uh, asshole, for want of a better term, Harry Osborne. Harry is apparently Peter's friend. Yeah. I don't know why. He's such a dick. Oh, absolutely. He's you, such an asshole. He is introduced with his dad, Willem Dafoe, in the car. God bless. And, you know, he's apparently been kicked out of multiple private schools. Mm -hmm. He's a bit of a dick to his dad. He doesn't want to show he's wealthy, despite the fact that everyone knows he's wealthy. Yeah. He's, I guess he's, he just feels self-conscious about it. His last name is Osborne. His father, Norman Osborne, of Oscorp. Yeah. Uh, it's Look, it doesn't take a, a genius to, to put two and two together. So, one of the biggest things in the film is Peter pining for MJ. Yeah. And one of the other biggest things in the film is Harry snaking MJ away from Peter because Peter doesn't talk to her. Yeah, so he's, instead he's of, still shy. So, instead of, you know, building Peter up and, you know, hey, go talk to her, go talk to her, Harry's like, I'm going to go talk to her and date her. Yeah. And it's like, wow, very good move there, Harry. Very cool. <laughs> he uses... The weird thing as well, he uses... Peter's own facts, at least at the start of the movie, to sort of woo and impress MJ. Yeah. Uh, Peter says during the presentation of the th things in the glass, whatever they were, 
he says some of them use camouflage yeah. as a defense mechanism mm-hmm. to blend with their surroundings. Harry, after pointing this thing out, says, Peter, why on earth would I want to know that? I don't know, Harry, because you've fucking asked. And Again, then- doesn't take a genius. Please, Harry, pay attention when we're talking about spiders here. Really. And then Harry walks off and talks to MJ and tells her the same fact. Yeah. And Peter looks dismayed, and Harry just looks behind him at Peter and then just gives a little, well, face. Like, Snooze, you lose. Yeah, and it's like, Harry, you dick. Yeah, he's, he, he sucks. But I mean, yeah, he's... I was about to, I was about to try and do a bit of a, a redemption arc for Harry. I don't really think it happens. No, not in this film. At one point, he's arguing with his dad about his girlfriend. Yeah. And the dad's like, she only wants you for your money. Mm. And he's like, no, she loves me for who I am. Uh, okay, buddy, you know, you... You're standing you said it, out for her. You're standing out for her. Maybe said it a bit aggressively to your dad, who's clearly upset about something. Mm. I don't know. He's not very tactful. But then he gets in, and MJ says, thanks for standing up for me, which he did, so I don't know why she's saying that. Yeah, it was incre- like seething sarcasm she says that with as well, by the way. And then James Franco goes, it's my dad, and then starts defending his dad to his girlfriend. Mm. What is going on? Whose side are you on? It's like he makes every wrong decision. Yeah, he really didn't make any good choices in this movie. He just comes across as a dick every time he has an interaction with another person. Yeah. So, no wonder he got kicked out of the schools. He probably just walked in, had the interview with, with the principal, and then he's just like, no, nah, you cannot be here. Gets kicked out straight away, before the first class even starts. One time that's played as a joke, mm. that is just a bit weird to me, is at the beginning when Peter gets his powers and is fighting the bullies. Yep. And MJ says, Harry, help him! And then Peter does a standing triple backflip. Mm. Harry goes, which one? Yeah, your friend, you idiot. He might have done a standing triple backflip, but still help him out. Why yeah. would you help out the bullies? Yeah, it's a funny, haha joke, but I wouldn't put it past him to help out those bullies. Peter hasn't laid a single finger on either Flash or his friend, Blonde Flash. I don't know who that guy is. but Blash. Does it, but yeah, Blash. Sorry, of course. Um, how could I be so stupid? Uh, yeah, research the deep lore before you talk about these things. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right, my apologies. Peter hasn't laid a finger on Flash or Blash up until this point in time. And now... Harry coming in and saying, which one do I help? Now, Flash is throwing hands right now. He's trying to make Peter catch his hands. And Peter isn't wanting to fight right now. So obviously, the one who Harry should help is Peter. A, friend. B, pacifist. I mean, admittedly, Peter just punches Flash across the room. Blash, nowhere to be seen. By this stage, Harry, he's gone. Doesn't even matter. I don't even know where he is. You know, he just watches Peter walk away and he's like, oh, Peter, come back. Doesn't do anything about it. And then they get an apartment together later in the film. Yeah, why? <laughs> He's never why seen... would you accept that offer, Peter, you moron? Because Harry's dad loves Peter. And I feel like that, uh, that pretty happily brings us to the father of this asshole, but the man, the myth, the legend himself, Willem Dafoe. Here he is, in the flesh. And uh, in the green suit. And in the green suit as well. That green suit, not made of flesh, thank God. That would be terrifying. But Norman Osborn shows up. He's a charismatic, ambitious... Uh, Intelligent. Yeah, uh, Antichrist. He's something of a scientist himself. He, uh, he is, yeah. I mean, he definitely, he definitely is the head of Oscorp, I feel like, at this point in time. He's, he's one of the main members on the board. He's a pretty important man. He's got the plan, and then he gets kicked out of his own company. I feel if this film was made today, his character would be seen a lot more sympathetically. Yeah, for sure. It would be portrayed a lot more sympathetically than just the villain. Because this man, at every turn, faces dicks. Yeah. Like, one guy says, we need to go back to formula. Mm. Because insanity and madness comes out of some people. Yeah. 
uh, when is... injected with formula. Yeah, exactly right. So this because this, there's a formula that they're working on, which is uh, it's basically like a super soldier formula. So they've they've got the board on board, sort of. Uh, they've got the military on board. They're all trying to get results. They've all seen all the tech. They've seen all the cool weaponry and stuff, but they need this formula to be finished. Norman's ready to go for it, but the main scientist says, no, 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 we can't do it. We're not ready yet because one test subject showed signs of insanity. Therefore, back to formula, back to square one. Norman's not happy about that. Which I think, you know, is reasonable Yeah, in in a medical environment, but Norman's dismayed because then the military guy goes, I'm going to find someone else. Mm, After one failed attempt, Norman's out in the cold. Mm. He's made a flying glider. He's made suits. He's made these bombs. And yet, the military, this isn't good enough. Yeah. I mean, this is back in early 2000s as well. They would have been ecstatic. We still don't have hover flying tech like they do. Yeah. We, they should have been frothing at the mouth for that stuff. That would have been amazing. Oscorp would have just been, you know, Tony Stark who? Oscorp, that's where it's at. Weapons grade manufacturers. Oh my goodness. But they aren't satisfied. No, but yeah. At the beginning, you get the sense that he's this kind of earnest yet struggling man who's pushing back against a lot of people mm. who are trying to put him down. Yeah. And then he takes the formula himself. He does. Willing to take risks. And now it's questionable here whether the formula made him insane or the scientist shutting off the formula early made him insane. Yeah. Now I'm not saying it's the main scientist's fault, but it's the main scientist's fault. Now, I just want to clarify as well. Now I did have to check this later. Spider-Man 3, first off, still a pretty good film. Ends really weirdly. Uh, um, the start, really good. End, really bad. We're not talking about that here. But when Harry also gets the formula, right? He also steps out of uh, a chamber, which he fills up with the super soldier serum gas, right? Now, when he walks out, his, his mind is actually more or less intact. He doesn't go batshit crazy. He sort of holds on. So, and, but then he finishes the process, though. He doesn't end it early. He walks out of the chamber completely fine. Ipso facto... It is the scientist's fault. And I think I'm, I think I'm happy to confidently say that. You know what? You've convinced me. Yeah. Scientist, fuck you! <laughs> exactly. You destroyed Willem Dafoe's sanity. What's wrong with you? you? You've broken a perfectly sane, albeit overambitious human being. And, uh, and you've left him out in the cold. His mind, all a flutter, all broken into a million pieces. And now he's got a glider He's having conversations with himself in the mirror. Yeah. He blows people up. He does. He turns them into skeletons. He does. Horrible CGI skeletons. Yeah, really weird CGI skeletons. But uh, yeah, and now now where is he? He's been stabbed through the chest with a glider. That's his character. He goes mad, he goes crazy, and, <laughs> and becomes... He, and then he fucking dies. Yeah. He becomes a typical comic book villain. Yeah. Very, becomes very one-dimensional after that turn. Yeah. There, there are a couple of, you know, classic, oh, join me, we can, we can uh, rule together on the dark side. A little bit sort of father and son, a little bit uh, Star Wars-esque, which I thought was kind of cool. And also, he makes some good points, you know... Mm. If we keep doing this, people are going to die. Yeah. If they keep fighting over and over again, being Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, then people, innocent people are going to die. Uh, so if you join me, we won't have to fight anymore. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. But um, yeah, Peter says no, and, uh, and, and Norman dies. So that's a damn shame. Don't so, tell Harry. Don't, don't tell Harry. <clears throat> that's him. Yeah. An uh, excellent performance. An yeah, excellent sure. performance. The way he moves, the way he talks... It brings to life this character. Yeah. Like, the, the scene that perfectly encapsulates this is right after he takes the serum and it's shut off. He picks the scientist up by the throat, yeah. saying, back to formula, yeah, back to formula, and throws him across the room, apparently killing him. Yeah. And then 
he jumps up onto this little ledge. Yeah, through the broken window. Through the broken window up onto this little ledge. And the way he hunches and holds himself is just amazing. It, it, it looks like a gargoyle, like a goblin. Yeah. yeah. And like that kind of way he moves and talks, this scary intenseness throughout the entirety of the film is really what brings to life that character. Yeah. I feel like in the same way that we've got two characters of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, we're also going to have Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin. Because they are essentially two different characters. One is almost controlling the other. But uh, it's it's never really too clear as to who's controlling who. And I guess in the end, both of their characters get overtaken. Yeah. Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. Peter Parker gets overtaken by Spider-Man and becomes Spider-Man overall. Mm. And Norman Osborn becomes the Green Goblin overall. Yeah. So it's really being taken control of your alter ego. That's yeah. the message the film is sending. Yeah. Do you have a do you have an alter ego? Hannah that- Montana. Ha- well, damn. There we go. That was the fastest answer I've ever I mean, I've never asked anyone that question, but that was probably the fastest answer I'll ever hear. Unless I asked Miley Cyrus. Which she'd be lying cuz I'm Hannah Montana. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Thanks uh, for covering for me, Miley. <laughs> cheers, cheers, boo. Now, obviously, I feel like that kind of sums up most of the main character. Oh, actually, no, sorry, we had MJ. Well, you uh, know what? <laughs> the fact that we left her till now shows how much of an impact she has. Now, she screams a lot. She screams a lot, and she kind of gets damseled yeah. a lot in this film. Which is a shame. Which is a shame. I feel like Kirsten Dunst does put on some good performances sometimes. There's a lot going on there. Occasionally, with her performance, but the script requires her to just be saved a lot of the time. Yeah. Oh, being attacked by thugs, Spider-Man saves her. Being attacked by the Green Goblin, Spider-Man saves her. Mm. Harry has to stand up for her or defend her. Yeah. It's very antiquated, I would say now. Yeah. And I find, at least from what I know about Mary Jane uh, outside of these movies, you know, within the comic book world of things, Mary Jane is supposed to be a pretty independent character. Uh, she, you know, has her own stuff outside of Peter Parker. And Spider-Man. Now, admittedly, that does get developed in the later films. You know, she becomes an actress. You know, she does all this really cool stuff. And that's, you know, good on her. But especially in this movie, too, where she's, you know, just out of high school. Nothing really happens. She doesn't really have that same sense of, uh, I guess... She's an object of desire in this film. Yeah. She's an object of desire and a plot point to be passed around Mm. between Harry and Peter and Norman. Mm. And she doesn't have any real character. She wants to move out. She wants to make it big. Yeah. We get one scene of that. She wants to evolve. She wants to evolve. And I feel if you look at this as a first part of a trilogy, it looks a lot better. Yeah. But if you take the film as itself, which is what we're doing here, it kind of comes across as not great. Yeah. I think, look, obviously they knew that they were going to make a sequel. I'd like to think at that point, they probably knew that they were going to make sequels. So... With that in mind, sure, I can I can respect that. But yeah, as as you said, as a film in and of itself, there was uh, it left a little bit to be desired. But yeah, MJ, she uh, she exists. She definitely does still care about Peter. They're next door neighbors. Peter does kind of witness quite a few less than quiet. No, more than her dad's abusive. Yeah, is basically it. Yeah, um, her boyfriend's quieter. also abusive. Her boyfriend being Flash. Yeah, Flash Thompson, the man himself. Yeah, he's the, the high school bully. Yeah, he's very rough, and you see him trying to force. Her to do things a lot of the time. Yeah, like holding her very tight and she's like, hey, get up and flash. And he's like, hey, come on, boo-boo. I mean, he's not Yogi Bear, but he he's, he kind of sounds like that sometimes. He's close. Yeah, exactly. Side note, Joe Manganiello, I think. I'm going to butcher that pronunciation of that name. That man is huge. 
He's so tall. I think he's like 6'5". That man is giant. There's an opening scene where you see all of the kids walk into... A- Kids, I use that term because all the actors are like 25. Incredibly loosely, that, uh, that term's being used there. They walk into the museum or the scientist's place yeah. filled with things. Yeah. And Joe is so much taller <laughs> than everyone else. He's like a he's, solid foot taller. Because in most scenes, he's hunching. Yeah. And then in like a couple scenes, you see him stand up straight. And Kirsten Dunst is about half his height. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, He's very large, and not just height-wise, but also he's incredibly built. Like, he is supposed to be a physically imposing school bully. Now, if there was a bully at my school who looked like that, he would rule the school. I I would not question anything, regardless of if I had superpowers. I would not be able to stand up to that guy. No. So, phenomenal casting from uh, from Mr. Ramison himself. Great stuff there, Sam. But, I mean, look, Flash, he doesn't really do too much in the movie. He's just aggressive, so I think we can leave him... uh, Flash is the bully. Yeah, exactly. And if you think of bully... That is him. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say at that point in time as well, early 2000s bully was probably, I guess, I think the, the, the ideal bully was probably Flash Thompson. So I yeah. think every bully that you've known since then has come from Flash Thompson. So thanks. They're all little Flash Thompson-lets. Yeah. Flash Thompsonites. Yeah. Yeah. So we can move That's on from there. Better. That's uh, God damn it. What? You, that was such a much better name than what I had. <laughs> Flash, Tom, Flash Thompson Letts? What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> well, it sounds like we're a little, we're a little like, grunt. They're probably going to still be like six foot tall. But <laughs> it's terrifying. All right. So I think the, the one of the last ones I really want to mention is has definitely going to be J. Jonah Jameson. Now, he... Mwah! Yeah, he's the... He's, I'd say, the peak of the second and third act, respectively. Because the creme say, de la creme. Exactly. The creme de la Simmons. So, he shows up in maybe the second... I'd say that out of the three parts of this movie, being before he gets his powers, like, as he gets his powers and, you know, learning about all that stuff. And then, I guess, the, the finale fight all the way to the end there. It's a pretty pretty long second half, but I think... And it definitely shows, considering how the timeline works. We'll talk about that more in the plot, but boy, oh boy, that's confusing. Yeah. So, J.K. Simmons shows up in the second half of the movie. Now that Peter's left school, uh, they've all left school and they're all looking for a job. So, they've all moved to New York City, making it big. And the first person he goes to is, uh, is, is J. Jonah Jameson. Pete, uh, this is uh, Peter Parker, by the way. He goes to J. Jonah Jameson. Now, the first scene you see J. Jonah Jameson in mm. is incredible. In this film with characters that kind of speak like cardboard, very yes. stilted. J. Jonah Jameson is filled with this energy, much like Willem Dafoe. Yes. He, he's got this energy which commands the room. One of his first lines is, he picks up the phone and says, what is it? And the secretary says, oh, it's your wife. And he immediately slams down the phone <laughs> and gets back to what he's talking about. She's just, tried to, she's just started to try and explain what's going on. Immediately, he's just hung up. It, it bounces from person to person giving orders. Yeah. Because he's, he's the head of the Daily Bugle. He's the head of the most prolific news, newspaper in New York. So, I mean, not only is that job got to be incredibly stressful, but you've got you to have your wits about you. And, I mean, who is wittier than J. Jonah Jameson in this movie? I would argue nobody. Oh, it's so... He's got some great lines. Yeah. Right after that, the, the intro, where he slams down the phone down on his wife, mm. his assistant rings again, and he picks it up, and she says, uh, your wife wants to know what rug to put down in the foyer. And he says, whichever one's cheapest, and slams it down. <laughs> and that single line there tells you so much about J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. He's concerned about money. Yeah. He's concerned about time. He doesn't. He doesn't like to have his time wasted. And so when we get uh, when we get Peter in, he has a bit of a you know a bit of a falling out with Peter because obviously. Peter for what? Standing around? <laughs> exactly. So we got we got Peter who not only is here to to get a job, 
But he's also looking to try and defend Spider-Man because the Daily Bugle is also the lead form of slander or, or libel because uh, slander is spoken. In print, uh, it's libel. In print, it's libel. Another great quote. One of his most famous lines. Yeah, phenomenal stuff. Uh, his delivery is perfect. Yeah. I resent that. <laughs> slander is spoken. In print, it's libel. Beautiful stuff. Just like, so matter of fact. Yeah. It sounds like he said it before. So yeah, he when, when Peter comes in, not only is he trying to get a job, but he's also trying to defend Spider-Man. Because as we said, Spider-Man is kind of, you know, his name's dragged through the dirt by, uh, by the Daily Bugle on the daily. J. Jonah Jameson is very principled. He doesn't like this vigilante. Yeah. He thinks he's the cause of a lot of these fights. Yeah. He's wearing a mask the whole time. What does he have to hide? So that's, uh, exactly. that's, that's his kind of angle. That's and his, that's his he's sh- got some of a point, I think. Vigilantes are dangerous. And the Green Goblin wasn't actually caused by Spider-Man in this film. But in a more modern superhero setting, J. Jonah Jameson's old newspaper Daily Bugle aspect... I think would be exploring a lot more sympathy mm. rather than played for jokes. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that, you know, yeah, these superheroes are a danger to people. Obviously, J. Jonah Jameson plays this up to an extreme to the point where in a modern environment, uh, he's now kind of an Alex Jones-esque InfoWars character yeah. who tries to stir people up. Because obviously the audience is meant to see Spider-Man as a hero and J. Jonah Jameson as a foil, mm. as a civilian foil yeah not necessarily he's by no means a villain uh i would say he's still very respectable as a as a character um he doesn't doesn't run out peter parker that's important that shows yeah. us he's actually a good person because the green goblin bursts in and picks J. Jonah jameson up by the neck and starts choking him yep and he says you know who's giving you the pictures of spider-man and you know J. Jonah jameson life or death here yeah and he says i don't know he only sends them through by mail. When Peter has just walked out the door, yeah. it would be so easier for him to say, it's Peter Parker. He He's just right left. there. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't. He stands his ground. He cares about people. And obviously he likes the money mm. from printing Spider-Man. You, you see this when he's like, I don't care about Spider-Man. Get him off the front page. And then uh, his assistant said, all the copies sold out. He goes, I want Spider-Man on every front page tomorrow. <laughs> he, he likes money, but he also cares about the people. Yeah. That's important to note. He's not one-dimensional. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not selfish by any means. He he uh, he cares about the the people of this city. Definitely cares about the people who work for him, regardless of whether or not they're freelance or whether or not he's giving them a nice nice basket of Christmas meat. Uh, but regardless, he still cares about the people who are who are close to him, both in proximity and you know in terms of uh, well, I guess still proximity. I guess New York, if he cares about them, they're still pretty close to him geographically speaking. So good on you, Jay Jonah. Now, last but not least, uh, we definitely got to talk about the, the parent figures in Peter Parker's life being uh, not his parents, <laughs> they're dead, Ben and May Parker. Who are almost angelic. I think you're going to say depiction. ancient because... Oh, they're ancient. Yeah, they're so old. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a stiff wind will turn them into a dust. <laughs> but they, well, yeah. There's no flaws with their characters. No. They are Peter's moral compass. Mm. They're not complex. They're not two-dimensional or three-dimensional or four-dimensional. They are maybe half a dimension. Yeah. Thank God they're not five-dimensional. That could have been terrifying. I could comprehend them even less than the spiders. The spiders. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, good. We're learning. So, you know, they're they're half a dimension. Mm. They're just good people. Yeah. They're trying their best. They've got money troubles. Peter's a team blows them off. Yeah. He, you know, they're they're old. They're fuddy-duddy. He doesn't need to help them. He's cool. He's got his he's got his new powers. He doesn't need to spend any time with them. Mm. Um, but you know, 
it's really sad because the last moments he has with Uncle Ben, he tells him to stop trying to be his dad. Yeah, he gets really aggressive. He he does because uh, he, he gets he gets taken over to uh, you know another part of New York by by Ben because he's like oh you know I, I really want to do some uh, wrestling get a bit of money but he just says oh, I'm just going to go to the uh, go to the museum. Now Ben being a incredibly lovely but also phenomenally gullible human being just goes yeah sure I'll drive you over why not let's go Michelangelo. You know what I'd be angry too mm. because New York it's a hellhole for traffic. Yeah. It probably took longer by car than it did by train. Just let, let me take the damn metro. Jeez Louise, Benjamin, you fool. But thankfully, look, we, we do get that last little scene where Ben says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Phenomenal line. That's, that's a bit of a timeless one. Resonated throughout probably all of our childhoods. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I'd say it's the quote that people remember when someone thinks of Spider-Man. That's the quote. They make they a joke about it in that film about the universe of spider things. Yeah, they, they say, you know, if I hear that line one more time, mm. don't say it. It's a joke because it's so overplayed now. Yeah. But it's very important to Peter's character. Yeah. That, that, it still that, rings true. That's Ben's character. He is that permanent guidance for Peter. Yeah. And and then he gets shot. And then he gets just blasted through the chest. <laughs> yeah. Well, by a man with what I can only describe as a haircut. <laughs> yeah. It, it does remind me of uh, Frosted Tips, but well beyond the years of Frosted Tips being appropriate. Or acceptable. Or Yeah, exactly. Now, this guy, Frosted Tips and all, turns out the actor's name is, uh, is Michael Papa John. Oh, mamma mia. That's a spicy name. What a name. name. Oh, my goodness. See, I think, no matter, say what you will about this guy's performance, admittedly, not that bad. Like, I, I kind of like it. He, he doesn't do much. But... No, he doesn't. But he, he's, he's there. Uh, and then he falls out a window too. A lot of people die around Peter, so ugh, that's all I'll say. Yeah, but Michael Papa John, if you're out there, if you're listening, give us uh, a call. Yeah, good, good on you, buddy. We'll uh, we'll add you to the contact list alongside uh, Vince McMahon. So and Ron Wilson and Ron Wilson bus driver. But yeah, I'd say that's more or less all the characters. Uh, Aunt a May, lot of other... Aunt May. We didn't talk about Aunt May. Not oh, that's that there's true. much to talk about. She, she also does. A she's bit kind of, of there role. to push Peter along. Yeah. In his romance of Mary Jane mm. and also to be captured herself. <laughs> She's meant to be a good woman. Yeah. No flaws at all. She prays at night before bed and then the Green Goblin bursts in as she's saying the Lord's Prayer and he's just yelling, FINISH IT! <laughs> DELIVER US! It's a beautiful... Oh, I'd say it's a beautiful scene. It's a. It's quite a confronting scene. It's very... It's so much ham on either side. Yeah. As Willem Dafoe screaming, finish it. And she's wailing the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, it's... Uh, it got... It all of a sudden got very religious in that specific section. Uh, I don't know... I don't know how to feel about it, but that was a, that was a very terrifying scene. And she's there. She's meant to be... After Ben dies, she's meant to be the kind of grounding point for yeah. Peter. And I think she does a really good job of that. So good on you, mate. If you're out there, give give us a call. <laughs> we've got we're gonna have a backlog on our on our old uh, old work phone here. Our charity gigs are gonna be huge. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think those, yeah, that sums up the characters. Those are the characters. Yeah. So we'll move on to part two, where we talk about primarily some scenes, give a brief overview of the plot for those that aren't too familiar, mm. and then we'll dive into some specific scenes. Yeah, let's get it done. Yeah.